Daniel chapter 11, it has over a hundred different prophecies about what was coming future to Daniel's time and will lead us into an incredible prophecy about the coming Antichrist. More about that today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Now, from Antiochus Epiphanes, who lived before Jesus was born and did his ministry, Jesus told us of another man that's coming. Paul told us about him, and his name is Antichrist. So we're gonna move from Antiochus to Antichrist. Antiochus Epiphanes, who lived in the past, is a prefigurement of the Antichrist in this sense that what he did in the ancient days in between Malachi and Matthew in the 165, 174 to 165 or 175 to 164 period will prefigure, foreshadow. He will have like qualities, negative ones, to the coming world leader who will make Jerusalem and Israel his target. The reason that you know that this is an end time scenario it's because chapter 12 tells you that at this time there's going to be a resurrection. And so we know it's the end times. We know it's the very end of the story. We don't have to wonder if this is still you know, way in the past or future to Daniel but past to us. No, this is a future text. And what we have is we have this swing from Antiochus to Antichrist. That's the most important thing that you could write down if you're a note taker. We're moving from Antiochus, who's a type of the Antichrist, to the actual Antichrist himself. And at verse 36, we swing in the text. Notice what it says. Then the king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god, and will speak monstrous things against the God of gods all over the uh, Old Testament, especially the God of the Bible, the God that we worship is called the God of gods and the King of kings. The Bible acknowledges that there are other gods with a small g in that they are idols, false gods. Not, not true, but false but still, he is the God above all gods, above all idols, uh, all the gods of the nations. Just because you say you worship God or you believe in God is not enough. You must have the right God. In the ancient world, there was a panoply of gods. There were, there were people who worshiped thousands to millions of gods. And so that wasn't unusual at all. The question is, which God and whom do you serve? Well, this one will magnify himself above every, we could say, so-called God. And notice he will speak monstrous, monstrous things, blasphemous things against the God of gods, the true God. And he will prosper until the indignation is finished. For that which is decreed, whatever God prophesies, will be done. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed, NIV, for what has been determined must take place, or as Jesus put it, behold, 
I've told you in advance. Now, Bible students, in order to understand this time of indignation, I believe that you need to understand the time of indignation as the time of Satan's wrath. Now, I've made that argument from the book of Revelation. You can wrestle with that uh, uh, for yourself. But I believe the time of indignation here, the assault on the Jewish people, the potential assault on the church, if the church is here, is Satan's wrath, not God's wrath. I believe that there's a good case to be made that the time of tribulation is not God's wrath, it is Satan's wrath. Tribulation simply means trouble, and it's people going through trouble. The question we wrestle with is who is the source of that trouble? Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Who was the source of the tribulation for the apostles? Certainly not God. Uh, 11 of the 12 apostles died a martyr's death. God did not kill his apostles. The world did. The world persecuted Paul and Peter and the others. If you have ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you know how these stories went and what occurred. That was not God's wrath. That was Satan's wrath uh, against the church of the living God. And so I think the indignation there, at least something for you to chew on, or the time of wrath is not God's wrath, but Satan's. And he, this one who is the subject, I believe, the Antichrist, this coming king, our future, he will show no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the desire of women, nor will he show regard for any other God, for he will magnify himself above them all. Now this world figure, and we know that Antiochus Epiphanes did this because he tried to say that he was God manifest. That's what his name Epiphanes means, God manifest. And they called him Epimenes, which means madman. <laughs> he thought he was a God. They thought he was a nut, right? And anybody in our age who claimed to be God or the Messiah, that's pretty much how we've categorized them too. And so this is what Antiochus did, but this is what this future leader will do. Notice, he will show no regard for the gods of his fathers. Now, the word for therefore gods is a plural form. It is Elohim. And so some believe it could be the God of his fathers. Um, that would be the King James rendering of it. I think even the new King James says, neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, capital G-O-D. And so there are some that say, if it is to be rendered, Elohim is to be rendered God instead of God's first part of verse 37. Then is the Antichrist Jewish? Because that would mean if the King James, New King James are correct, that this man has no regard for the God of his fathers, and some would say the fathers as in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, some would maybe even argue the founding fathers, you know, but that's, that's a left field argument, but just something to think about. But here, what does this mean? If it's gods, as the New American Standard and other modern translations do have it, 
then it would be that this man is a pagan, but he has decided to forego or push aside all the gods that his fathers worshiped. So if he's a pagan, he doesn't, he doesn't buy into that. And that could include you know, someone who was Egyptian or Syrian or Greek or Roman because we know that they had a whole host of gods and goddesses. Even in Athens, Greece, when Paul goes and preaches uh, on Mars Hill, there's thousands of altars there in the Agora or the marketplace. And so this is kind of one of those things that we don't have to be dogmatic on, but it's kind of interesting to think about. Would a, a re restored Jewish nation, think about it, they're back in the land, except somebody who didn't follow the God of their fathers? I don't know, the nation is largely secular and agnostic and atheistic today. If you go to Israel, you might be surprised to know that a very small portion of Jews in Israel today believe in God. Some of them say they're agnostic, some of them say that they're atheists, and most of them definitely do not accept Jesus as Messiah. So it wouldn't shock me if a world leader showed up and somehow, because he did good political things, at least in the beginning, they bought into that program. Even at the time of Antiochus, there were many Jews who forsook the covenant for the sake of political correctness or peace or prosperity, you name it. And so it, is, uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Notice, he will not have the desire for, of women. Now, there are some that believe that maybe that means he's a homosexual. Don't know. There are others that say, no, historically, the desire of all Jewish women was to be the mother of the Messiah. And so does he uh, openly reject the Messiah? He does speak monstrous, monstrous things against the God of the Bible, so certainly that would apply. We don't know for sure, but he doesn't uh, honor or have regard of the desire of women. Does he hate women? Does he put them down? I don't know. Nor will he show regard for any other God, for he will magnify himself above them all. Would you all hold a place in Daniel and go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Hold your place in Daniel. We'll be right back there. But this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Thessalonian congregation. First and Second Thessalonians is full, filled with end time stuff. First Thessalonians 4, for example, is the chapter, famous chapter on the rapture. Well, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul is dealing with apostasy, the Antichrist, the day of the Lord. Here's what he says. Now we request you, brethren, 2 Thessalonians 2.1, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's the second coming, and our gathering together to him, to me sounds like the rapture. That you may not be quickly shaken from your composure, verse two, or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. That would be the return of Christ and the judgment of God. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come, the day of the Lord will not come unless... What happens? The apostasy or rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness, I think everybody says that's the Antichrist, is revealed the son of destruction 
who opposes and exalts himself above what? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... Is it proper for Christians to celebrate Christmas? The Christmas season can appear to be a conflict of messages, images, and sentiments. The Origins of Christmas DVD will address frequently asked questions such as, do we know Jesus' actual birth date? Did the early church celebrate the birthday of Jesus? Did Christians really steal Christmas from a pagan holiday? The Origins of Christmas DVD wraps up with a practical answer to one final question. Is it proper for Christians today to celebrate Christmas? And if so, how? Get your copy of the Origins of Christmas DVD today when you visit walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Hold your place in Daniel. We'll be right back there. But this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Thessalonian congregation. First and Second Thessalonians is full, filled with end time stuff. First Thessalonians 4, for example, is the chapter, famous chapter on the rapture. Well, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul is dealing with apostasy, the Antichrist, the day of the Lord. Here's what he says. Now we request you, brethren, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's the second coming, and our gathering together to him, to me sounds like the rapture, that you may not be quickly shaken from your composure, verse two, or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come, that would be the return of Christ and the judgment of God. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come, the day of the Lord will not come unless, what happens? The apostasy or rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness, I think everybody says that's the Antichrist, is revealed the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself above what? Every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, that would have to be the Jewish temple there, that's I think all Paul would be talking about, displaying himself as what? As being God. So this final world leader or ruler, back to Daniel, will have a God complex. He will have a desire for worship. He will be saying to people, I, am God. And Jesus said, in the last days, this is what will happen. Many will come in my name and will say, I am. Jesus said, this, this will be a sign unto you. But instead of honoring the God of his, the, or the gods of his fathers, back to Daniel eleven thirty eight, he will honor a God of fortresses. See that that's plural. A God whom his fathers did not know he will honor him with gold, silver, costly stones, and treasures. Now most take the God of fortresses as a God of war. He will be a man of war. He will make war. He will dominate the world by war. Now you have to hold your place in Daniel again because we're going to Revelation 13. All right, let's turn over there. Revelation chapter 13. Now. This is the famous chapter about the Antichrist, Revelation chapter 13. And here's what it says about him. Revelation 13, look at verse four. And they, that is the unbelieving world, Revelation 13, four, worship the dragon, 
we know in the chapter that's Satan. Because he, the dragon, gave his authority to the beast, that's the Antichrist, and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who is what? Able to wage war with him. Remember, he honors a god of war or fortresses. Who is like the beast, the world will say. Who can battle with him? In Exodus 15, 11, the Israelites said, who is like the Lord among the gods? Who is like thee, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? And there was given to him, because God is sovereign, a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, goes right with Daniel, and authority to act for 42 months. That's 1,260 days. That's three and a half years that was given to him. God is uh, the one who gives it to him. Notice he, he is an arrogant speaker. He speaks blasphemy against God. He's proud. And he gets authority from heaven to act for three and a half years. And notice this is verse six of Revelation 13. He opened his mouth uh, in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, probably represents his people and those, that is those who dwell in heaven. And it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. That's worldwide authority. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who has been slain. That could presuppose that genuine believers are here at that time. You can wrestle with that. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. This is what the Antichrist will do. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 11. So this Antichrist will be blasphemous. He will be a warmonger. He will have a God complex. These give you some things to write down and ponder about attributes of the Antichrist. He will have no regard for women. You can decide what that means. He will, he will be this man on a mission to dominate the world. There were people when Adolf Hitler was doing what he was doing uh, back in what the, he became chancellor in I think 1933. Um, by the way, when Adolf Hitler became chancellor of Germany and began to dominate that area and began to rouse the German people, he told the pastors in Germany these words. You take care of the church. I'll take care of Germany. And pretty much the bulk of pastors at that time jumped on board and backed Adolf Hitler. It got so bad in Germany. Erwin Lutzer writes in a book that the trains that were carrying Jews to the death camps packing them in to take them to these terrible death camps to put them in the ovens. When the trains would pass by a particular church, people would be worshiping on a Sunday morning. They would hear the whistle of the train and the Jews screaming from the boxcars and they would sing their Christian hymns louder to drown out the whistle and the cries. And Hitler said to the pastors, I'll take care of Germany. You take care of the church. And do you know that Hitler, there's 
records of his statements saying that all you gotta do with pastors is make sure that they have enough money and they won't be any trouble at all. Do you see some parallels to our day, folks? Do you see that sometimes in the midst of it should be as plain as the nose on our face, we just don't see what we need to see? We have trends now in the United States following right in line with Europe. And we, as the church of Jesus Christ in America, need our eyes to open. Now God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will use his people. And those who are wise will shine like the stars forever and ever. But look, make no mistake about it. We in a battle, but the battle belongs to the Lord. I didn't hear you. Oh, okay. I just want to make sure that you were out there. You see, he will take action, 39, against the strongest of fortresses with the help of a foreign god. Maybe that's uh, a reference to Satan. I don't know. He will give great honor to those who acknowledge him, if you worship me, man, you're, you're good. And he will cause them to rule over the many. You, you get privileges if you're on board with my program. And will par- parcel out land for a price because he will be so dominant, he'll own a bunch of land. And so that's part of how he manipulates. The final war erupts. And at the end of time, I believe you could confidently write in your Bible, just before the return of Christ, the king of the south, somewhere down south of Israel, because remember, in these books that we read, Israel is always the center. And geography in the Bible moves from Israel as the center. So south of Israel, you have Egypt, you have Africa, so this could speak of African armies. Uh, You have the area of the Sudan and everything that's down there. North of Israel is Syria, But we know beyond Syria, we start moving up north and we're moving towards Russia and other places. And one thing that you could take note of, and I don't have time tonight, is you could write down Ezekiel 38 and 39. And you could begin to see that when God talks about an end time war, he includes enemies coming from the north. He puts a hook in their jaw to move them toward the land of Israel. He'll ultimately deliver the land. But this ties all together. And so notice... There's a collision, the king of the south with him will collide with him, and the king of the north will storm against him. We have mention of chariots, horsemen, many ships will enter countries, overflow, and pass through. And so there will be warfare. Uh, One writer says this would further confirm the individual being addressed in verse 36 has swung from Antiochus to Antichrist. The king is distinguished from the king of the north in verse 40. Therefore, he cannot be Antiochus Epiphany, so this can't be ancient. The king of the south is some sort of military leader. He comes from south of the Holy Land. Um, I mentioned to you the possibilities geographically. The king of the north, you have Syria, but you can go up from there and you can uh, do your own research on that, verse 41. He will also enter the beautiful land. What land is that? That's Israel. In fact, when people uh, get excited about going to Israel, they call it what? The Holy Land. 
And, and a lot of people say, that's on my bucket list. Before I die, I wanna go to the Holy Land. And another way, word for the Holy Land is the beautiful land. It's, it's a land, by the way, that is budded again, and that was predicted in Ezekiel 36 and 37, that the land that was once lie desolate will bloom again, and it is bloomed right in front of our eyes. In fact, do you know, Israel is in the top, I believe it's either five or three, of distri distribution of fruits and vegetables to the entire world. And at one point within the last, what, 70 to 100 years, the land was underwater and nobody even wanted to bother with it. It was swampland. It was, it was desolate. It was nothing. And it has bloomed again. And that's a fulfillment of Bible prophecy as well. Well, I pray that you are blessed by the teaching today. The wise will shine forever. I want to let you know that your financial support is greatly appreciated. You are partnering with us in the greatest work of all. When you give to Walk in Truth, you're essentially helping us pay for everything that goes into getting this program on the radio. We would love to enter this new year with the ability to grow this ministry so we can reach more towns and more people like you with a powerful teaching of the Word of God. Please visit walkintruth.com today and click on the donate button on the top right-hand corner. You can either give a one-time tax-deductible donation or I would love it if you believe in our mission, if you believe in what we do, if you would become a monthly partner. Visit walkintruth.com. Thanks so much for listening to Walk in Truth and for your support. Well, there's more of the teaching in Daniel chapter 11 coming, so... We'll see you tomorrow on this station. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.